Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. In this edition of Technology Forward, I'm speaking with Aaron Bent, CEO at 6K. One of the things 6K Inc. does is develop powder material. It uses a microwave plasma technology to develop engineered materials for additive manufacturing, renewable energy, aerospace, consumer electronics, and other industries. For the additive manufacturing industry, 6K creates powders from leftover materials from manufacturing, which leads to a more environmentally friendly supply of material, and that is what we will address here today. So thank you for joining me, Aaron. Thank you, Leslie. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. So in general, how does this process of developing AM powder from your sources work? Well, when we launched uh, the world's first brand of premium metal powders from Sustainable Source at Formnex last year, we really only talked about one particular part of the entire message, and that was taking sustainable sources such as uh, scrap metal shavings, uh, used parts, uh, used powder, and turning that into premium powders. But the message around sustainability uh, is much broader than that, Leslie. So I think one of the perhaps controversial statements I may make right up front is, is sort of around, is out of manufacturing actually more sustainable uh, than subtractive manufacturing? And if you look at the materials flow of originating materials, such as a, a highly engineered alloy ingot, everyone knows that the buy-to-fly ratio is around 10 to one for subtractive manufacturing, but the dirty little secret of out of manufacturing, unfortunately, is that it's not much better for out of manufacturing. But we can address that. And I think that these are things that people sort of know about, but few people really talk about. And so while we do address being able to make powders from sustainable sources, there's two other very, very important aspects of sustainability in additive manufacturing. One is that the powder production itself is typically only about 30% yield, with a lot of the rest of the powder going into land landfills. And then the printing process itself also has losses such as used powder support structures and non-conforming parts, all of which can be addressed with 6K. Now, in some of the things that I've been exploring, there's, uh, there's a real concern for sustainability in additive materials, but a lot of that has to do with polymer materials. Do you focus on primarily metals? We do primarily work with metals. We are capable of working with advanced thermoplastics and powders, but I think it's very important to focus on the impact of sustainability and metal powders as well uh, for two reasons. One, while AM may be relatively small today, it's going to grow very, very quickly. And by producing powders in a method that's not 30% yield, but 100% yield means a lot less of those materials find their ways into landfills. In addition to that, it cuts by 70% the waste, the energy, the transportation, and the mining and refining back the original ore. So it's a substantial impact on the environment. But a more important impact is cost. I think if when people ask me what's the number one contributor of limiting the speed of adoption for additive manufacturing, it's around cost. And in actuality, cost and sustainability are intimately linked. In fact, being sustainable can create a very strong business model. And that's one of the things that one of our missions here at 6K. Okay. So now what are the sustainable sources for your material development? 
Well, so we start out first and foremost by creating powder from certified chemistry materials. I want to get that out of the way right away. So these are certified chemistry materials. For example, a large airframe manufacturer may create as many as 100,000 pounds of certified chemistry TIE 64 chips that it can't otherwise use. So we can take machining scrap that some people consider scrap, we actually consider gold. We can take support structures from 3D printing. We can take used powders. We can take out-of-spec parts. Our mission is to use virtually every part of the out-of-manufacturing process. And by so doing, we actually create a far better business model for the end customer. And so you take this scrap, this material, and then you're using this plasma process to, to do what? Render it into smaller parts? So that's an, an excellent question. So we actually have a two-step process. We have a process to clean and size that feedstock to an engineered feedstock to give it the proper size and powder size distribution. So when it goes through our plasma system, it creates exactly the right powder size distribution, whether you want a metal injection molding powder size distribution, a laser powder bed powder size distribution, or an E-beam distribution, or even DED. So by doing that and entering the structure of the feedstock to the right size, we then create a process that becomes 100% yield when it goes through our plasma. One of the things I was looking at through some of the material that you sent me, you used the term ink to describe your materials. So I'm wondering, is, are you doing both powder and filament or is it still just powder? It's still just powder. I think we use the ink as sort of a common way to speak and differentiate ourselves as a powder supplier from those making printers. And uh, it's also a common theme because we can recycle ink. For example, we have had a number of programs with large super users to take their used powder that they would not be able to continue using in their printers and recycle it to make it actually perform better than virgin powders. We also have programs with a large defense customer who are providing to us uh, new powders that don't have quality sufficient for printing, don't flow sufficiently. We are 6K-ing the powder to use a verb. And that provides a higher performing powder for the printing process. So we consider it sort of the ink. In addition to that, ink is a, is a uh, convenient vernacular when we talk about the ability to provide an infinite palette of colors, so to speak. Not colors in the sense of thermoplastics, but colors in the sense of an infinite variety of different alloys. Now, one of the things that we are able to do is move far beyond the limited number of alloys available today in, in powders. Now that we can use scrap sources, virtually anything that is machined can become a feedstock for our powder. In addition to that, we can actually create new alloys that are non-eutectic, so things that will not alloy together. We did that and demonstrate that at Formnex with the world's first high entropy alloy part. So ink is just a very convenient uh, term to sort of help place a, uh, a theme in people's minds when they think about creating powder. Okay, now how do you address engineers' concerns about the mechanical performance of the materials that you create? How do you assure them that either the material is the same or in some cases from what I'm hearing from you, potentially even superior as far as that's, mechanical. Problems. No, that's an excellent question. So it, it comes at three levels, one, well, four actually. Uh, first is the source of material is incredibly important. We use, as I said, certified chemistry. 
uh, materials. And there is, for us, an infinite source of materials from high-end machine shops, from airframe manufacturers. Uh, one of the things we've been able to demonstrate is to actually to take the oversized gas atomized powder that has almost no value on the marketplace because it doesn't fit the powder size distribution for uh, any printing process and use that as a feedstock and reduce its size. So we have the ability to get access to source of materials that are already well qualified, very strong certified chemistry. Our process uh, is also contaminant free. And then we also have qualification on the back end to look at uh, any sort of potential contamination as you would have in a regular powder production facility. But in addition to that, our powders themselves have far superior properties than traditional atomized powders. They have better flowability, higher tap density, no satellites, better sphericity. And one of the things that, that uh, also distinguishes it is there's no porosity in the powders. Porosity is one of the natural uh, uh, outcomes of an atomization process by virtue of the way they make the powders. And then what we're also finding in initial print studies is that the, the strength, both ultimate and tensile strengths, are superior to gas atomization. And we have some certain metallurgical advantages through the way that we actually produce our powders. Are these powders, they're primarily suitable then for any additive process that uses powder, like you mentioned earlier, direct energy deposition, binder jetting, some of those others, right? Well, I would go more broadly than I would say any powder metallurgy at all. So again, because of the virtue of the fact that we can engineer our feedstock to be any size, it then creates uh, a, a sort of targeted or engineered or tunable size for powder, we can create powders within virtually any any uh, any range. And one of the nice things, as I said earlier, about the fact that we can create custom alloys, truly non-eutectic or non-alloy, non-castable alloys, once we can get the material in powder form, then powder metallurgy does the rest. And we can now access high volume markets for the first time for things like high entropy alloys or certain types of uh, refractory alloys that are important for things like hypersonics. What industry so far have you been working with besides the aerospace? Like, are you working with medical? We are. So we have somewhere between 20 and 30 partners that we are either sampling or getting ready to sample or have purchase orders for uh, in our products. And they span oil and gas, uh, commercial aerospace, space, uh, medical, a whole series of different types of industrial markets. Uh, even maybe. some consumer markets. And one of the, the unique things about, for example, uh, medical is we are actually pioneering uh, new types of alloys to use in orthopedic implants. Ooh. Alloys that cannot otherwise be created in typical atomization processes. This in particular would be for a, uh, a uh, orthopedic implant for a knee. These implants, they would be bio-friendly, of course. Yes, already approved by the FDA and biocompatible as a specific alloy, but not something you can create through a typical powder production process. And one of the advantages in this particular application, which we're being somewhat quiet about until we actually launch it, is the fact that you can now take uh, the entire part, and rather than being a cast, machined, polished, and coated, printed out of one material, including the bone uh, lattice and growth material. 
Okay. Now, is the cost of these recycled materials and, and these powders, is that comparable to the original powders? Well, actually, like this is where I go back up to sort of the beginning. I think that this is where sustainability and cost are just intimately linked. And I think with a, a better total circular economy approach to both the printing and powder production process, you can have substantial reduction in costs and therefore a faster adoption of, of AM. So, I mean, our raw materials, as you can imagine, are quite low cost. Mm -hmm. Our uh, process, because it can be up to 100% yield, rather than 30% yield, is a much lower cost process. So ultimately, we can provide uh, a much more interesting value proposition to a typical customer if we can take their waste from their processes, provide them back high value powders, uh, powders that perhaps they can't otherwise obtain, and create sort of a symbiotic relationship and a, a true circular economy by taking, as I said, their used powders, their support structures, maybe the non-conforming parts and uh, help them drive their total cost of part production down substantially. Very interesting. Now, is there something that I haven't addressed that you would like to mention? Really, I think the powerfulness of this process is its simplicity, right? Our team uh, is already and has been for over a decade upcycling a million pounds of titanium a year. Wow. And so we understand this process very well. Uh, the team has been upcycling titanium that goes into uh, grain refining elements for making aluminum. So our million pounds of titanium upcycling enables a billion pounds of primary aluminum production. And that finds its way into things like medical ventilators, Ford F-150s, uh, aircraft, uh, and medical uh, components as well. We have just uh, commissioned our 40,000 square foot state-of-the-art uh, production facility uh, in Pittsburgh, where we are uh, this, this next quarter, launching both uh, our Inconel 718 super alloy powders, as well as followed up quickly with our TIE 64 powders. Are there any metals that would not be usable for this process? Not uh, that we're aware of. Uh, because again, and maybe one of the earlier questions I should have addressed was our name 6K. So 6K comes from 6,000 degrees, which is the temperature of the surface of the sun, rounded up slightly. Uh, and it's also unique to us because it's the world's only microwave-based production plasma, which operates at 6,000 degrees, which as you can imagine, can melt anything. And so we have worked with uh, refractories, we've worked with high temperature melting ceramics, and a variety of, of different materials over the years. There's really nothing that we think we cannot process. Therefore, it's, it's we think, to be relatively future-proof. Now, there are a couple of additive applications that use ceramics. So is that another kind of powder that you can supply? We can. Uh, we have worked in a variety of ceramics over the years for other applications that range all the way from, you know, 50 nanometers up to a couple hundred micron. You know, garnets and... Uh, thermal barrier coatings, YSC, alumina, a series of different uh, materials. It's, it's relatively easy for us. That's fascinating. Where can an engineer get more information? Well, a good place to start, of course, is our, is our website, uh, 6kinc.com. I think that I would also encourage any interested parties who have an application, first and foremost, need a nickel superalloy or, or titanium to reach out to a commercial team 
right, at info at uh, 6kinc.com. And, uh, and then stay tuned for a number of, of upcoming press releases as well. Yeah, it's very interesting. This is, this is something that is certainly, I think, needed in the additive industry, a way to address sustainability. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a lot more information from you and for this portion of the additive market to grow. Thank you, Leslie. And I agree. We couldn't agree more. I think when super users and service bureaus require powders to be sustainably sourced, then we'll feel that our, our job is done. And we believe <laughs> that we'll get to that point. And again, I, I think sort of a, a wrap up uh, you know, comment might be that Number one, cost and sustainability are intimately linked. If you address one, you can address the other, which will improve the adoption of additive manufacturing movement more quickly. And two, that we all you know, are strong believers in additive manufacturing, uh, but today it is a long ways from being sustainable. And a big part of 6K's mission is to address the other components of sustainability, such as the huge amounts of waste created in both the powder production as well as in the part production. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's a great use of machining and I can see the two of them side by side. Absolutely, absolutely, that's right. And, and so one of the things that we're looking at are, are working with, with customers who have uh, both of those operations. In fact, as they slowly transition mm -hmm. from machining operations in CNC to more out of manufacturing, we have both a support, a, a source of material as well as an outlet for the powders. And also as these companies are moving from perhaps a dozen machines to a hundred or more machines, handling waste becomes a real issue. And what do they do with used powders? There's a number of super users that will not combine powders from different machines. We put them together, we run them through our unimelt, it creates a new heat. So it, we really create value on the back end and create a true circular economy for working with these, uh, these customers. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today, Aaron. It was my pleasure, thank you so much. And as I said, Pleased to have the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners.